Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning. Today is Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. Today, Kaylin Dever will talk about how the city of Chicago will face a $1.5 billion gap through fiscal year 21 and is pinning its hopes on the federal government to plug the shortfall, according to top finance officials in the city of Chicago. And our second story will be about how JEA filed a lawsuit against former CEO Aaron Zahn, alleging he made false and misleading statements that marred the utility in a public scandal, according to court documents. DebtWire's Patrick Ferguson will give us the latest on this ongoing saga. Good morning, Kaylin Devitt. How are you? I am pretty good, Young. How are you? Okay, not too bad. Um, let's talk about the city you live in, city of Chicago, Illinois. And like like your city, and we also know that all other states, states in the country uh, and local governments are facing major, major revenue losses from the COVID-19 shutdowns. We also know that those credits that are were weak ahead of the pandemic are probably going to face more stress now. So Chicago is one of these weak credits we are keeping an eye on. The city's officials detailed some of the city's expected losses last week. What kind of picture, is, I guess that's the best word to use, did they draw? Oh, well, I guess a pretty grim one. Mm. Um, which a lot of people were expecting. They've kind of put out a few numbers before in the past, but last week was, you know, obviously the latest. And um, what they said was for fiscal 2020, the current year, which ends on December 31st, their fiscal, the city's fiscal year is basically the calendar year. They're expecting a loss of about 700 million. And just as an example of how fluid this changes, um, on, I think it was last Monday, the CFO and the budget director held a conference call with reporters, and they put that number at about 500 for fiscal 2020. Then the next day, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, ha um, had a press conference, and she put the number at 700, which is annoying as a reporter, you know, when, <laughs> obviously when you're... <laughs> make up you're your mind. One thing, <laughs> right, make up your mind on my deadline, preferably. Um <laughs> But in any case, so that just shows that the number is kind of changing, but it is what the mayor called a sobering number. So that's mm. 2020. And then looking at 2021, they're talking about like a billion. Mm. Um, now that's revenue loss and expenses, but they're thinking at least that the formal 21 numbers come out in August. The city generally puts out like its budget, its formal budget forecast in August. So we'll wait, you know, maybe we'll hear some more about that, but that, so, you know, 1.7 billion, you know, over the next 18 months or whatever is sort of the picture. And that's loss, like everyone, it's not surprising, but it's loss of revenue, um, re uh, revenues from hotels and restaurants parking, right. amusement, all the conferences have pulled out. You know, they just canceled everything this summer. Lollapalooza, which is a oh, money maker. Yes, I've been to that. Anyway. <laughs> oh, have you? Cool. Yes. <laughs> and um, uh, Taste of Chicago and all the big ones have been yes. canceled. So, I mean, March and April alone, they said they lost $175 million, And that's even before kind of the big summer season where they expect a lot. So big, you know, kind of big, bad numbers. 
Wow. Well, Texas, Chicago. That could be a whole other podcast about me going there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, okay. sounds good. Um, so, like you said, it's a dire picture. The officials are saying, I'm sure there's many things on the table. What are they proposing to help close this big gap? Well, they're t they, you know, the big plan A um, is federal aid. And that, you mm. know, they're sort of like the state like that. Illinois passed the budget in a very fast um session recently and they also are relying on federal aid you know they're sort of hoping expecting relying whatever word you want to use and the city is the same way they just their argument is this is a one-time disaster and so it needs a one-time cure and the federal government is the only is the only government that can you know provide that money so, um, so that's the main thing. They've already gotten 1.3 billion from the CARES Act, if we remember mm -hmm. all the way back to the CARES Act. In fact, last week they formally adopted that into the city council, adopted that, amended the budget to include that 1.3 billion. That's like not all that just is unrestricted general fund. It, you know, if people remember from CARES Act, a it has to be used for COVID-related expenses, and then B it's often further restricted. For example, like about. 375 of that is going to go to the city's two airports but then about 470 is going to go is from treasury so that's somewhat unrestricted although like i said it has to be used for covid so they got that 1.3 billion but they're still looking at those big um shortfall numbers so they're hoping to get more federal aid i think that's plan a b and c mm -hmm. um i did ask them if they plan to do any borrowing because they have access to the Federal Reserve's Municipal Liquidity Facility Program. Right, the MML, Illinois, MLF, yeah. Yeah, the MLF, which mm -hmm. Illinois, if you remember, was the first to tap. Right, right. Um, they said they're eyeing it. They haven't made any decisions. They have no imminent borrowing plans. However, um, the mayor talked about possibly refinancing for some savings. So that would be kind of a market appearance you know, if they think that they can go in there and somehow take advantage. If you recall in January, they did that giant kind of big complicated refinancing and they actually saved a hundred million. They achieved a hundred million in savings, I should say from that. And so they, you know, they're going to still use that, um, that money, but so they might possibly do um, another refinancing, but no imminent borrowing in terms of the pension bonds, which they've had on the table. They said that's still on the, basically they said all options are on the table, even property tax, which is mm. the third, the third rail here in Chicago. Um, the mayor said even that's, you know, a little bit on the table layoffs, but no possible decisions. So um, I guess we're still kind of waiting, you know, waiting to see with what happens with uh, in Washington. Right. Now you're, you're talking about obviously the city, the, the issuer side. Let's talk about um, the buy side people. Let's talk about what 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 exactly is the market saying about this about the city and their situation. Well, when you talk to um, investors and portfolio, I mean, I would say in short, the word is bearish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people are not um, people are not optimistic. People are are um, a little nervous about this city, which they consider a pretty weak credit overall, uh, weaker than Illinois, even though Chicago is responsible for something like two thirds of the GDP in Illinois. Um, but in general, I would say the word is, you know, pretty bearish. Um, they're worried about out migration, uh, people leaving, which Illinois had a problem with and Chicago's seen that if that continues, you're gonna see sort of a downward spiral because of the heavy liabilities 
and, you know, being forced to raise taxes, sort of, I, I'm not drawing comparisons, but a little bit like what we saw in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think people are worried about that. And, you know, Chicago, as you said in the beginning, it was real weak to start with. So now, despite that, you're seeing spreads tightening. You know, people say, oh, this is this is terrible. But then at the same time, you're seeing spreads tightening in the secondary and you're seeing bond prices strengthen a little bit. So I checked this morning. And so, for example, 2030 um, Chicago Geo bond had a spread of about 317 basis points over the MMD AAA. So that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, not as high as Illinois got, but that's still high. But that that's tighter. That's down from like 431 basis points, which is at the end of May. But then if you go all the way back to January, if you can remember, then that was uh, the spread was 108. So it's widened a lot since January, gapped out, but it's tighter than it was at the end of May. A 2040 bond basically shows the same thing, different spread, but that same kind of pattern. So people are worried and people are, you know, think it's probably one of the most stressed credits out there. I think people also talk about like they really want to see a plan. Mm-hmm. They really want to know that the administration's taking this seriously. Um, but again, on the secondary, we're seeing some strengthening that might just be at the general market rally. Right. And in the stories that you've written about um, Illinois and, like you said, Chicago related to the state, uh, the city itself, in terms of their rating, I believe it's um, it's pretty low, correct? Yeah, well, they're actually rated um, drunk. They have been for uh, several years by Moody's. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Triple B, S&P, Triple B minus, Fitch. And then Kroll has it at A. Mm. So that's the, yeah, that's the rating. Interesting. All right. Well, like you said, um, we will wait till August when they release the fiscal 21 budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see what happens then. Yep, we will. Okay. Well, Kaylin, thank you so much for your time. And again, stay safe out there. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Patrick Ferguson, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? All right. Hope you're staying safe out there. Yeah. Reporting from my, uh, my home office on the, on the fifth floor. (laughs) I know. So, just just off the beat, a question. So let's say if you were given a choice permanently, do you think you could just work from home? You have like a separate office space or you could, you have sort of a makeshift kind of a office? Yeah, no, the office is also probably about the, the size of my, except my apartment. <laughs> These <laughs> okay. are, but yeah, I think I, I think I might be able to swing a, a permanent work from home. Maybe, uh, maybe a little, air, you know, getaway place on the, on the coast or something. I don't know. Okay, well, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, when we're in the office, we sit next to each other. So that's just out there. But anyway, (laughs) okay. (laughs) All right. So, Patrick, let's talk about how um, um, you cover utilities and how JEA is suing its former CEO for his role in a scheme that would have allotted millions to company executives. So what is the latest on this huge scandal? Yeah, so remember, so Aaron Zan, who's the former CEO of JEA, and that's the municipal utility uh, located in Jacksonville, Florida, and he was outed in January after it came to like this, there was a scheme uh, that would have uh, given 
some JEA executives millions of dollars if the utility was sold. So remember, so JEA was taking bids from Duke Energy and about eight other utilities uh, to uh, to purchase purchase its assets. Um, so the city sued Zan uh, earlier or last week, uh, arguing that. Uh, uh, so let me, let me pause right there. So JEA sued Aaron Zan last week. Uh, the JEA seeking a, a jury trial, uh, recovery of funds already paid to Zan for pay increases, uh, and avoiding of an appointment agreement to cancel any future compensation uh, out uh, from from his previous contract. Zan has claimed that uh, the scheme uh, that sunk the uh, potential sale of JEA, uh, that he wasn't aware of it, he didn't intentionally do it. Uh, but we'll see kind of how this, uh, this lawsuit unfolds. Um, what's also part of the lawsuit is that the board uh, uh, claims that Zan uh, misstated the finances of the company. So we, we go back to, uh, you know, early spring, I want to say May 2019, and reports from JEA's executives started to come out uh, demonstrating the financial and the future financial insolvency of JEA. So they said they were going to uh, lose all this money and basically become insolvent. I think it was by 2028 or at least within the next 10 years. Uh, this was used as kind of a big push to sell uh, the utility. Then we started to see uh, JEA t uh, taking bids uh, for, for its assets. So the board of directors is also claiming uh, Zen misled them on that case, and uh, what's always going on? There's a few, you know, a few cases, um, uh, lawsuits related to uh, JEA. The, the federal authorities are also investigating Zan, and uh, of course, JEA is still in the middle of its lawsuit against the Municipal Electric Authority of Georgia, uh, also called NEAG, over the Vogel Nuclear Plant in Burke County, Georgia. I see. So. Then what's next in JA's case against, like you said, MIAG, the uh, Municipal Electric Authority of Georgia? So because of the onset of the coronavirus, the courts, the federal district courts in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the court postponed hearings on that case uh, until the summer. Um, um, but we're going so to have to look to see what's moving forward on that. Uh, how that's going to progress. Uh, recall JEA was trying to nullify a power purchase agreement between it and NIEG uh, that would basically release JEA from its uh, uh, responsibilities and financial obligations in the construction of the Vogel plant uh, and, uh, and also to purchase power from the Vogel plant once it's up and running. Um, what's also come out this, this Vogel plant, um, which was started in 2009, has been fraught with delays and cost overruns. And just recently, MIEG announced that um, the costs are going to increase again by another billion dollars and that it will likely miss its in-service date of uh, November 2021 and November 2022. These are two of the construction of two nuclear reactors there. And, and so this court case is, was also... Uh, you know, uh, sought after why JEA was trying to sell the utility just because of the, the uh, associated costs of building the plant and its future uh, costs, how it was forecasting its, its finances over the next, uh, next few decades. Interesting. All right, Pat, I got one last question for you. Um, 
What else is going on with uh, JEA's leadership? Yeah, so we also saw so JEA interim CEO Paul McElroy has placed eight of the utilities' top executives on administrative leave uh, with pay because due to lack of confidence in their leadership. And so what we've seen kind of unfold at JEA just over the last year is a lot of skepticism, uh, a lot of questions of, of competence, of uh, of leadership there. We know uh, Melissa Dykes turned down uh, the interim uh, CEO position. She was formerly the CEO. Um, but then it's interesting to note to the McElroy, you know, he was the utility CEO until 2018, until then took over. And there's some uh, talk going on down in Jacksonville that he may, he may seek to regain uh, uh, the position of, uh, at the helm of, of GEA. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Pat, thanks for uh, bringing us up to date on what's going on down there. And uh, thanks for your time today and, let, and stay safe out there in your home office. You too. Thank you so much. And that's our show for today. Many thanks to Patrick Ferguson, Kaylin Devitt, and our producer, Christian Ayala. And as always, thanks to you, our listeners out there who tune in week after week for the latest on distressed mini debt on DebtWire's The Mini Lowdown. Stay safe out there and hope you tune again next time. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.